So today we have part two with Jay Noon. So just as a recap, Jay Noon is a farmer, rancher, blacksmith, modern day cowboy, mechanic, homesteader, creator of Man Camp, and also the host of Gun Church. Now, the last episode was about Jay's uh, and the states and CPS and the, the troubles he has uh, with those two agencies uh, unfairly targeting him over who he is and who his wife is. And now what we're going to talk about is uh, what I originally hoped to talk to Jay about was, you know, because he just is an expert when it comes to all the homesteading and prepping and survival and, and everything else I just named, just uh, an abundance of knowledge. So what we're going to do today is we're going to focus on that. But if you want to hear part one, you can go to the libertyadvisorshow.com. We'll also have the link down below in uh, the show notes. Then right after that show, we did a union of the unwanted with a lot of heavy hitters like uh, Joel Saladin. Uh, the Naked Gardener on YouTube was there. Jim Gale of Food Force Abundance, obviously Sam Tripoli, Charlie Robinson, Monica Perez, Ricky Verandas. The whole, the whole crew was there, and uh, you know, and lots of influencers when it comes to the homesteading, growing your food, and you know, and they were very lucky to have uh, Jay on there. And thanks to Sam Tripoli for hooking that up. But anyways, without further ado, uh, Jay, welcome back. It's uh, that hasn't been that long. It's been uh, what's it's uh, you know four or five five days I think since the last time. But if you could uh, maybe leave, you know, fill in any gaps for anything that I may have left off. And then maybe if you want to get into uh, maybe just some things people should know, like as they're trying to maybe start homesteading, as they're maybe starting to try to get chickens and grow their own food for their own for the first time, uh, what knowledge they should have to put themselves on a better foot to maybe learn from, you know, just your years of experience of doing this for pretty much your entire life. Well, uh, so uh, I'll, I'll just uh, do a little timeline of my life here real quick. Uh, thank you, Tim, for uh, this opportunity and getting me hooked up on the uh, Union of the Unwanted podcast that, uh, you know, uh, definitely has turned out to be fruitful. I got some other interviews lined up there. Anyways, uh, you know, I grew up uh, in Western Massachusetts uh, and my father was a horse trader. He bought and sold horses. So as a kid, I did uh, all the uh, horse stuff. I was at horse auctions in Pennsylvania, New York, Massachusetts, uh, all over the place, New Jersey. We would go out west and buy horses sometimes to like Missouri, run them back home, uh, train them a little bit, sell them. So I got to go to, uh, I got to ride hundreds of different, of different horses in horse shows. So I rode the hunter and jumper circuit. I did a little bit of dressage riding. Uh, and I also participated in team roping and calf roping, and I really wanted to ride bulls, but my dad wouldn't let me. And I'm thankful he didn't let me ride bulls because all my all my buddies that did the bull riding got pretty beat up, and they're hurting now. Anyways, um, <clears throat> so for my, most of my career, I was a hay dealer. I bought and sold hay. I bought and sold grain. Uh, you know, bought you know hay from farmers uh, in New York, Canada, Vermont. Sold the hay and to mostly horse people in Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and um, <clears throat> I was also uh, a horse trader. And I always, pretty much, always worked with my dad uh, on and off until he passed away in uh, 2012. And um, I was about I was uh, 33 when that happened. And uh, so I would go to these uh, livestock auctions in New Holland, Pennsylvania. We go to a horse auction down there a lot. Um, I was also uh, dabbled a little bit in livestock, like uh, cows and sheep and goats. I had actually a, a herd of dairy goats for a couple of years. Um, I didn't actually own pigs 
myself and raised pigs until three years ago was the first time I got into pigs, but, and I've had chickens pretty much my entire life. Um, <clears throat> and I learned a lot about, um, you know, uh, nutrition and, uh, agriculture, just, just doing the hay business in 2014. I moved to Colorado, worked for my stepfather. He, uh, operate, he basically run about, uh, 300, uh, 3,500 acres of ground. And so we did like, we raised like between 13 and 1800 acres of corn, you know, 12, 1300 acres of hay, uh, a bunch of wheat, sorghum, sudex grass. And uh, most of this stuff all went to big commercial, you know, dairies. One of the dairies I, I did a lot of work for was uh, Lost Creek Dairy. Uh, if you're interested in them, they're in Rogging, Colorado. They got a really, they got a YouTube channel. They got tons of YouTube stuff, a lot of content. Uh, that dairy had 6,200 milk cows on it. Uh, it was one third the size of the dairy that blew up over in Texas about a month ago. I'm sure you heard of that. You know, they had 18,000 milk cows there. Um, and uh, so, and then I worked in Colorado. And when I was in Colorado, um, you know, I was like 34 to 36 years old in Colorado or, or uh, 37 maybe. And I worked with a bunch of guys that were within 10 years of my age. And all those guys were pretty much on low testosterone medication. Uh, those guys were, you know, but they were using a lot of chemicals uh, in their farming, like the Roundup and the Atrazine. Um, <clears throat> you know, when Alex Jones talks about gay frogs, the chemical that he was talking about was chemical Atrazine. atrazine. And Atrazine, um, <clears throat> uh, basically, you put that on the ground and nothing grows for two years. That's how powerful that is. And so... A lot of those guys were like prematurely sick that I was dealing with and very unhealthy. It's actually, I really enjoyed that job. You know, I, I, um, I, 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 I really liked that job, but I, I just left it cause it was just very, uh, you know, unhealthy. Um, and sent, then I moved uh, back to New Hampshire for the free state project. Um, and, uh, ran into a girl I had met a few years before at pork fast, uh, you know, at a new movers meeting in Manchester, New Hampshire. And I, um, Shallon, who's my wife now, I met her at Pork Fest. We had our wedding at Pork Fest. Uh, and, you know, now we got two kids. And in 2019, I uh, or fall of 2018, I bought the property where we're at now, 12 acre homestead, Henniker, New Hampshire. <clears throat> and uh, basically been clearing and in, in uh, 2020, March, uh, um, February 2020, my daughter was born, Cyprus. Uh, we were in the hospital. We had to have a C-section. And I'm, <clears throat> that was the first time I had actually watched any television, probably in like, you know, other than being at like a restaurant or an airport. Uh, but I was sitting in a room for four days. You know, you can't leave the hospital right away after a C-section um, and watching corporate news. And all this stuff about the scamdemic and you know COVID nineteen, and I was also very aware of you know I've been following Dr. Judy for a lot of years, uh, Judy Mikovits. She wrote the book uh, Plague of Corruption. Uh, <clears throat> so um, I wasn't really interested in farming until I was holding uh, Cypress in my hands, and, uh, and I'm like, well, I got to do something to make sure that you know this kid uh, grows up to be as responsible as I am and has skills like I do and can take care of herself and you know is an asset to her community and valuable to her community. So uh, I feel it's tremendously important that children uh, grow up are, are raised so they get uh, their dopamine hits from hard work and the easiest way to really do that is with chickens. 
So we already had chickens on the homestead. I, you know, every time, everywhere I lived, I had chickens. In fact, when I was in Colorado, I raised chickens, I raised turkeys. We had meat birds, we had egg birds um, that were mine. I just did that. Uh, my girlfriend and I, who was, um, you know, who you knew for years, Sarah, um, at that time. Uh, and actually, that that is actually a pretty crazy story. If we just want to have a quick aside into how Jay and I, excuse me, know each other, is that my ex-wife and his ex-girlfriend were actually best friends growing up and um we had never actually met each other while during this whole entire time it wasn't until uh, i was actually already divorced and you were uh, moved on as well uh that we had then met up with each other but now we had known about each other for a very long time but you know with her she was always this to me like crazy girl who had given up her driver's license and social and then she was telling me about Bitcoin when it was super early on. And, you know, I wish I had listened to her. And uh, she actually, you guys were the first people to actually mention Ron Paul back in the day. So there's a lot of people who I feel like I'm 10 years ahead of. And you guys are like people that are like 10 years ahead of me on the, you know certain <laughs> things. So I wish, uh, you know, I'd taken her up on, you know, meeting you sooner. And then with Ernie, I knew that you guys were close, but I didn't know your last name was Noon. So I was like, yeah, Jay, no one. And he's like, listen, there's lots of people who are either free men or no one, or he's like, I don't know who you're talking about. And then, uh, and I'm like, then he, I saw you, he was, you're on the show and I'm like, oh, noon, it's Jay noon, not no one. Uh, and, uh, yeah. So yeah. So my ex-wife and his ex-girlfriend were best friends, childhood friends growing up, but yet we had never actually met you know, the entirety of when you were dating and when I was married. So it was, uh, you know, sort of, which was a long time. So it was, it was sort of crazy that uh, it, it wasn't until after all that in 2020 when we met up at Porkfest and then again, when you were out in Arizona. So, uh, so yeah, Jay and I have known about each other for a long time. I think talking the phone once or twice when I think you're helping me try to fix a lawnmower or something way back in the day, uh, giving me yeah, some advice on that. Yeah. And then uh, and here we are. Here we are today. So, yeah. So sorry for that uh, little quick aside. But yeah, that's how Jay and I know each other initially. Yeah. And, you know, this is another reason I feel like I'm a very blessed man because, you know, I'm, you know, I got guys like you in my life. Yeah. You know, that I've met over the years. And um, so anyways, um, when, when I so in Colorado, I, I basically got a good understanding of the uh, commodity cowboy world. You know, these guys just all they care about is tonnage 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 not quality of food but tonnage because they get paid by the ton they don't get paid for the quality of the grain it's basically by the ton and um so <clears throat> come back to new hampshire uh, oh i got cypress and uh in um we were gonna go get some pigs um partner uh, uh i partnered up with uh these these folks uh the smith family of uh bardo farm and they had been raising pigs and farming for like 15 years before i met them and a small operation um, they're butchering like two pigs a month. You know, they're using a guy down the road who's got, you know, a book. He converted like his, you know, outdoor shed garage thing into a butcher shop. And actually that guy is like the best butcher I've ever, best product I've ever seen come from, comes from these guys that like do it out of their house, you know, and, um, really good, uh, uh, uh butchering skills with those guys. Anyways, <clears throat> um, Neil and I, were going to go, uh, buy a load of pigs or uh, for a hundred dollars a piece uh, from a guy in Pennsylvania who was a Tyson farmer. And he had like 4,000 pigs that he was going to euthanize. And this was um, like March 30th, end of March, 2020. And we're about, I'm going to, so we're, I'm, I, I had uh, my equipment for my horse trading days. I still had my stock trailer. I got the trucks. 
you know, I got, I got a uh, flatbed gooseneck trailers from Holland. Hey, I didn't really, I, I kept all my good equipment that, you know, one, one piece of everything. Cause I, you know, wanted the habit for whatever I was doing. And, uh, um, so, and at the time I was just doing heavy equipment repair for work and I, and, 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 and I liked that job too. And I, like I said, I wasn't really interested in farming because farming, uh, historically is you either have to be like government subsidized or you just have to be in, you know, independently wealthy like a gentleman farmer who's retired, you know, from a corporate job somewhere to, to actually realistically be a farmer or a rancher. Um, <clears throat> and I don't like government subsidies because government subsidies are jurisdictional traps. And when you take a subsidy from the state, you um, don't, uh, you waive your right to due process. This is why one of the biggest things I want to stress on anybody who's farming or homesteading is not to take government subsidies, not to take grants, not to take any of that stuff. Um, you surrender rights when you do that. Anyways, I, the, the day before we're going to go get these pigs, the farmer calls and he says, I, I can't sell you guys these pigs. Uh, I'll get sued. They belong to Tyson. My lawyer said, I can't sell them. I can't give them away. They have to be euthanized. So he, he and this guy was like, you know, I, I, I never met the guy. We just talked to him on the phone, but he was very upset. You know, he was like, sounded like he was starting to cry as he was telling us about this stuff. And he's like, I never in my life, I ever thought I would, I would have to, you know, essentially gas, you know, several thousand healthy pigs. But the problem is because of COVID and this huge, um, you know, centralized supply chain of food, 10% um, of the workforce didn't, didn't come into work because of COVID. And it just it stops the whole slaughterhouse operation. They lose 10% of their employees. Um, they're no longer killing, you know, 15,000 pigs a day. They, they can barely run a slaughterhouse. Um, you know, big commercial corporate Tyson stuff, you know, you know, factory farms. So uh, then uh, we ended up obtaining um, a, a, a load of pigs from Illinois. They were free. It cost, you know, several thousand dollars to have the guy go get them with his cattle pot. He went and got like 800 pigs. Uh, long story short, I ended up with 250 of them. I put an ad on Craigslist, uh, piglets for sale. And I put an ad on Facebook and it got removed because you can't sell animals. But on Facebook, I sold them as uh, bacon seeds. I said bacon seeds for sale. <laughs> and uh, $150 if you pay. In yeah, I mean, Facebook will allow, you know, pedo networks and, you know, through Instagram and all that. I mean, that's fine. But, you know, you can't have pigs on there. How, how dare yeah. you? Can't sell livestock uh, on Facebook. So I, <clears throat> so I sold them for $150 if you paid in USD you know, fiat, uh, or $100 uh, if you paid me in gold, silver, or bullets. So it was bullets, Bitcoin, or uh, I'm sorry, bullets, Bitcoin, or bullion. And <clears throat> I had a few people pay me in Bitcoin. I had a few people pay me in, 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 in bullets and a few people pay me in gold, but most people paid me in dollars. So we ended up wintering that winter 54 pigs. And uh, and then we got hooked up with a... Uh, 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 a slaughterhouse down in Massachusetts, um, Adams Farm, they're a USDA operation. And they, uh, you know, we've been butchering um, between myself and, and Bardo, and it's mostly all Bardo's pigs, really, um, that go do like 10 pigs a month, and we and we send in four or five cows a month. And I've been sending in, you know, um, a few cows um, here and there. I don't, you know, Bardo raises a lot more animals than I do. My operation is small. But my operation is, is really my intent of my operation um, on the animals is is more about giving my kids something constructive to do to earn their dopamine hits uh, from farm work. And so uh, and also in 2020, we we built uh, uh, 
a um see you later love you hi sean uh, tim says hi <clears throat> so in uh 2020 yep he sees yeah i uh i started um clearance like uh and basically as soon as we got home from uh the hospital with cyprus uh what i started doing was daddy nesting so i knocked down about an acre of woods and uh, my wife called it daddy nesting and i just started digging up rocks and stumps and i brought in a couple hundred yards of um, goat manure from a goat dairy that was down the road and uh <clears throat> had a really like you know, hefty half acre garden. Plus we, there was already a garden here. So we grew a bunch of stuff and then we had the pigs and I had the pigs on a few acres of forest that I uh, uh, fenced off with electric. And we, you know, uh, basically the pigs are just eating the forest. So I'm going to cut down anyways to make pastures out of because my plan here is to have uh, a Joel Salatin style rotational, you know, um, grazing operation when I'm all done. And um, so uh, now, fast forward, what we're doing here is uh, every week we have a man camp homeschool co-op. Uh, man camp originally started as a blacksmithing welding for uh, kids. I set it up at Porkfest in 2019. It's actually going to be at Porkfest this year. Are you coming to Porkfest, Tim? No, I'm not, not going to make it this year. Okay, well, um, so anyways, <clears throat> Porkfest uh, is where I'd set up the man camp, and then I did um some uh you know I, I and and every summer i've had a handful of people here just essentially interning um learning how to uh, operate equipment work on equipment uh learning how to weld i mean luke radowski learned how to weld he learned how to operate the backhoe um and then we have uh just a handful of people that you know have come and help um i've had a uh, um just a lot of good luck and a lot of good feedback with you know having people here for like three months and they just really man up um so anyways i ended up uh doing uh, uh where are we going to go here so yeah th now what we're doing is we got the homeschool co-op and it's and it's essentially based on um uh small kids right now because you can hear my son in the background my wife just had to leave but uh they um <clears throat> uh my son uh Kasashis, named him after the Kasashis coin um he uh he's he's you know 19 months old now and my daughter cyprus is uh you know um uh, a little over three and we um uh so with the toddler thing i just got uh you know my a bunch of uh free stater um families they come here um and uh you know they they have a you know some some somebody's mom's got one kid somebody's mom's got four kids I think last week we had uh, 18 kids here in total. Uh, and I have the kids doing all kinds of just farm chores. I got them uh, collecting eggs. We got them uh, cleaning out the chicken coop, feeding the chickens, weeding the garden. Uh, we got them uh, planting, um, you know, uh, plants in the garden. We got them watering plants. We got them picking up rocks and moving them around as we're putting down the weed cover. Uh, we got, um, I, you know, I had a couple, uh, two weeks ago, there was uh, a 14 year old and a 12 year old here. So I'm like, all right, guys, you can just use your lawnmower. I had a mowing the lawn. Um, one of the favorite things of the kids is, uh, I have them harvest forage, transport it to the cows and then feed it to the cows. So the way a two year old does this, so it's like a bunch of, you know, two year olds and three year olds and four and five year olds. And they're just ripping grass up out of the ground. Their moms are helping, uh, you know, the weeds from weed in the garden and put them in radio flyer wagons. 
and they haul them out back to the cows and they hand feed them to the cows. And it is a mutually beneficial relationship for the moms, the cows, and the kids. Everybody really enjoys what's going on uh, in this particular exchange. And uh, the kid, and the other thing I do with the kids is I got is, is they all love equipment. So the older the kids that are a little older and can you know understand and communicate. I take them for rides like uh, on my backhoe. I got a John Deere backhoe, 310 SJ, real nice machine with a fully enclosed cab. Hey, buddy, 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 easy. All right, let's see here. He wants to go. And um, he'll sit on my lap and be pretty good. <laughs> so anyways, um, I'm in a geodesic dome. So, you know, uh, the, the, the acoustics in this place is, um, you know, pretty echoey sometimes. So, and so anyway, easy, easy, buddy. So, we got on. Um, hey, Cash. Hi, Cash. You see Tim? You want some water? No, you don't see him? I mean, you can ask him if he wants his favorite food, and he says no. Um, and then he eats it. Uh, so, anyways, we, uh, I give the, so uh, I, I take I take some of the kids, and I run them around in the backhoe with me while I'm, you know, just I got work to do anyways, moving around bales and stuff like that. I got, I got kids, um, you know, feeding the hay, feed, feeding grain. My, my kids, uh, feed, uh, feed these animals almost every day unless the weather's really horrible. Um, I, I try not to have them, uh, you know, uh, doing stuff outside, like when it's really cold or it's miserable because I want them to have a, a, a positive experience, uh, you know, of, you know, what's going of, of what we're doing. So um, my daughter at three years old, she knows the entire operation. She could take you, Tim, right now, you know, uh, get up in the backhoe with her. She'd show you how to start it, show you how to put it in gear. She would, you know, she would, you know, show you how to grab the round bale with the backhoe and feed it to the cows and just, you know, essentially how to do uh, all the stuff because she does it. <clears throat> and the important thing is, is when kids, we have a short window as parents to uh, essentially um, imprint or program or even indoctrinate our kids to how we want them to be. So if, you know, within six years, the, the child's uh, brain develops 95% uh, before they're six years old. And during that six year, and in that, before that six year period, their frontal lobe um, starts to make, it make, makes and completes all of the neurological pathways to the brain. So by uh, getting the kids to earn dopamine hits, earn their dopamine hits by collecting the eggs and, um, and grain. When you have like little, like toddlers feeding grain, they really enjoy the sensory experience of, you know, picking up that corn or that grain and throwing it around. And I just let them have fun with it. I don't care that it's going all over the ground. The chickens are going to eat it anyway. So it doesn't really matter where it goes. So the, um, so, so, so anyways, he's, uh, uh, you know, and, and there's no internet devices. I, I am very much against internet devices. I am, uh, uh, a very much a hardcore believer that, um, kids should not have any interaction with an internet device, uh, until they're seven years old. Um, and anyways, by, um, uh, you know, whatever kids, um, before they're six years old, whatever they, whatever they enjoy, doing whatever they get their pleasure from before they're six years old is going to be programmed 
no, no. He, he's asking for a popsicle. My wife makes these uh, spinach and blueberry uh, smoothie popsicles. <laughs> sounds so no, sounds so evil, you know. Yeah, you know, popsicles. Does the, the CPS say you could feed them spinach and blueberries? <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I organic I, at that. I rejected CPS's offer to contract with me, so I don't care what they say. You know, one thing I do want to mention is I I heard so many people tell me this when I was starting off uh, homesteading is they were telling me that raising chickens is easier than growing food. And, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then now that I'm doing it, I'm like, yeah, it seems like raising chickens actually is way easier than, you know, the first time trying to get a garden started. So do you have tips on, you know, what you do to, you know, feed, maybe feed your chickens or ways people can do things cheaper? Because, you know, you had mentioned different subsidies and or maybe, you know, that retired guy that has the money to do this. Cause I will say it's not a saving money, money-making operation, you know, running a homestead for the most part, when you take into account, uh, you know, if you're going to the store and buying all the, you know, expensive feed that's organic and non-soy, non-GMO. Uh, so do you have any, so what do you do to, you know, say feed your livestock or there's, you know, maybe parts in the country that aren't so uh, conducive to growing your own food. Uh, right now, we just had actually since the last time we talked, so which is we just talked five days ago, we've already had three different uh, chip drops of mulch uh, on our property, getting another one tomorrow, just gigantic. And so for people at home, one of the thing, key elements from a lot of these guys like yourself and whether it's like a Joel Salatin or Jim Gale, Food Force Abundance, or, you know, just, uh, you know, other permaculture experts that I know, my buddy Tony Grows Food, you guys are all like, hey, you need to have wood chips, you know, if you're trying to build your soil. And so that maybe that's one tip for people at home today. You know, you can go to different arborists and landscapers and tree people and, and they need to pay to get rid of that stuff. And instead, you know, I, I actually asked the uh, actually, actually a Mexican guy came over uh, yesterday and today. I'm like, well, hey, what, what kind of beer can I get you? Because they're happy to deliver it to your house because they don't have to go drive it off to a dump. And actually just last week in Phoenix, you know, going along with all the stuff going around the country is there was a major fire here in Phoenix. And guess what caught on fire? All the fucking mulch the government was storing caught on fire. And they let that fire go for days and days and days, probably about five days last week. There's a gigantic fire in Phoenix that was so, you know, they test us all with all the smog and all the everything else that we've got to comply with. And then in one fell swoop, they probably put up more. Uh, I mean, just playing off their narrative that CO2 is bad. They probably put up more in one fell swoop, letting this gigantic fire go than, uh, you know, all the, you know, uh, you know, F-250s and diesel trucks and all this other stuff going on. And, and it really pissed me off is because I needed that mulch. And here it is the government just letting all the mulch go up in flames last week. Uh, maybe that's all par for the course. Like, Hey, we've got New York city and DC and all these big East coast cities are covered by all the can Canadian fires. So let's just take the fifth largest city and dump a whole bunch of, uh, you know, have another fire out there, but then also hit us with the chemtrail. It was really hard yesterday. I know now I'm going on to a different subject because you're taking care of cash. I was trying to find a way to, uh, to stall here, but what, Getting back to the chickens, what are some things people can do or that you're doing to, let's say, feed your chickens on the cheap? Because it can be a very expensive proposition if you're, you know, feeding them all. Uh, I know like the bags I'm getting are about, you know, 50 bags, 50 bucks a bag for these 25 pound bags. And, uh, but we also have a bucks. garden. Yeah. 25 pound bags of organic chicken feed. Yep. You sure it's not $25 for a 50 pound bag? I'm pretty sure it's it's like 46. It's an or, now it's organic, non-GMO, yeah. non-soy. Uh, you know, probably some of the more expensive stuff on the market. So, so here's the thing: it really depends on your region. So where you are, 
uh, feed is really expensive because in order to grow the feed around, around you in Arizona and anywhere in the Southwest and Colorado you, and California, you need to, you need to import water and bring in water and you guys don't own the water there. Um, you know, those farmers, you know, the, the, what makes those farms worthwhile or, or valuable is the water rights. The, you know, the dirt's not really worth much. The water's worth everything. So hay is really expensive, um, grain. And, and the thing is with the commodity industry is, uh, if hay is really cheap, like here in new England, hay is really inexpensive, New, new York, uh, and new England and like Quebec um new brunswick <clears throat> hay is very inexpensive and even missouri hay is actually pretty cheap too i know some guys out there because up here we get good water i'm mean, good rain we've got a lot of lush uh, ground and um the water rights all still pretty much belong to the property east of the mississippi and here we just give the water rights to saudi arabia to grow all the alfalfa and hay right. and send it back over to saudi arabia and uh yeah. you know hopefully it looks like some politicians might be putting an end to that but yeah a lot of the phoenix groundwater gets uh basically the end result goes over to saudi arabia so yeah. go figure um, so anyways uh when I was a hay broker, one of my customers was actually the Prince of Dubai. Um, and I uh, brokered him alfalfa and the alfalfa would get, get loaded into um, uh, uh, containers, uh, you know, shipping containers in Colorado, North Dakota, Pennsylvania. And it would, you know, go to either Long, port, uh, Long Beach or uh, if it was the Pennsylvania stuff would go to a, some port in New Jersey. I forget what that one was called. But uh, it would get shipped over to Dubai. And these guys were paying like you know, nearly double or triple what, you know, what the farmers could sell it for locally. Uh, so they were really happy to sell this, you know, alfalfa to these, um, you know, to, to, the, uh, uh, to, the, to the folks over there. But getting back to feed. So in, right now in, in, in New England, if you get on Craigslist, like right around here, you can buy all the, you know, 500 pound dry round bales you want for, you know, between 35 to 45 to 50 bucks. There's a whole, and there's a, and there's a whole, and you can buy wrapped round bales between like 35 to 50 bucks. The wrapped round bales are the ones that are wrapped up. They look like marshmallows out in the field. Um, you see a lot of those in the Northeast, um, Pennsylvania, New York, all the Northeast. I didn't really notice any of that in Arizona. You don't see much of it in Colorado. Um, uh, because uh, that hay is what they call high moisture hay. They boy, it, it's almost like, and, and it, uh, it's basically, that the the hay they call it haylage and it's like sauerkraut versus cabbage it ferments a little bit and it's got a, it's got a much better feed value so that's like what we're feeding cows and because hay is pretty pretty cheap here because hay is pretty cheap here hold on buddy he's asking me to change change papers you know because he's scribbling over here so <clears throat> the hay is pretty cheap here so what it does is a lot of people are feeding all the hay they can and not really feeding the grain. Um, so like I, I, my local feed store, Henniker farm store, great, great place. Good family. Uh, you can buy right now, um, like organic non GMO, they call it green mountain feed. It comes from a mill in, um, uh, Vermont right next door. And, um, there is, uh, something like, it's like 29 bucks, a 50 pound bag for that organic, uh, layer feed. Um, I don't buy, uh, really any feed from the feed store. I just for my chicks. Uh, what we do for grain is we're actually getting waste grain. What was that called? Green Mountain? Yeah, Green Mountain Feeds. Um, Vermont's the Green Mountain State. 
Uh, and I don't think you would be able to get it out where you are because, you know, it's, the trucking is, you know, crazy. Um, so, uh, it, so, in, so uh, migraine, what I did uh, the last couple of years is I've been feeding mostly food scraps uh, from the house. Uh, and so everybody, if you got like six laying hens, you know, you don't need, you're not going to spend a lot of money on feed because if you have six laying hens and say a family of, uh, you know, mom, dad, and, you know, three kids every day, you got, you know, several pounds of food scraps, you know, whatever's left over, there's always food scraps and the chickens, um, they'll, they're uh, scavengers. They'll pick through everything. Um, I've heard uh, citrus isn't yeah, good to no. feed them because I mean I'm out here in Arizona, so obviously citrus is abundant. Oh, but yeah. that's just one thing to uh, watch out for, I guess. Yeah. So, so like any orange peels or orange or citrus, I just throw it right in a compost because uh, the chick because the chickens won't eat it. Yeah, uh, that's 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 what we do yeah. as well. It, the pigs and cows won't eat won't eat that stuff either. I mean, the pigs will eat it if they got nothing else to eat. They'll eat the oranges and the limes. Um, so. And the other thing I do, I did with my chickens for uh, a couple of years. I don't do it anymore because, because I got you know so much uh, uh, sort of uh, waste feed to feed them. But uh, right down the road, there's a um, little um, uh, place called All in One. Uh, it's three miles down the road. It's a it's a convenience store. They have a deli. It's a gas station, and they would produce like a five gallon bucket or two five gallon buckets a day of food scraps. So like the lettuce clippings, you know the, the trimmings, the trimmings from the meat, pieces of bread. Um, you know, the pizza they didn't sell, the breakfast sandwiches they didn't sell. They just throw it all in a five gallon bucket for me. And and uh it got actually got to the point to where I wouldn't even have to go down there to get it because somebody was either coming to my place that stopped there and and uh they and our friends would just ask, hey, you got the bucket for Jay? And uh they would um pick it up. So like you feed a five gallon bucket of food scraps from a local little deli or something or a little breakfast joint um every day to your chickens they can't even you know we we had like 27 chickens and they had a hard time eating it all and that's all we were feeding them and then the other thing that chickens eat they eat a lot of grass so uh i last summer i didn't mow my lawn at all um i went twice with the weed whacker and just hit the weeds that the chickens didn't eat and the chickens would just eat grass like crazy so so if you can grow grass if you can grow grass you, you can the chickens will eat a lot of that um what I've been doing for grain is I've been getting grain that is either rejected or expired um, from breweries. So <clears throat> breweries, uh, and that's another thing too, you can go to your local brewery and they will generally give you the brewer's grain. So there's like four breweries around here. Um, and I only get brewer's grain from one of them because it's, it, it's more than enough and I need. And pigs, cows, and chickens can all eat that brewer's grain. They call it spank grain. It's the leftover from making the beer. And these guys... And like in Massachusetts, you can't throw any of this stuff in a landfill. Um, you can't throw any food product. So I actually was getting a whole bunch of brewer's grain from that from the breweries that uh, uh, basically got shut down during uh, 2020 in the scandemic. And they had all of this brewer's grain on hand and then it expires. So they can't use it as in, 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 in their uh, brew. So when they um, so like. Basically, it was for free. I just go get it. So I'm going down to Massachusetts and getting like, you know, six tons of this grain. You know, I sent the, my neighbor's got a, a semi truck and he's a trucker. He actually went and got 23 ton load for me. And they just gave it to me you know, at, at this place because it's all expired because they got to pay 200 bucks a ton to put it in a landfill in either New York or Vermont or, um, or, uh, or New Hampshire. 
because it's illegal for them to put in a landfill in Massachusetts. So what I started doing was uh, with my meat birds I was raising, I was, so it's, it's barley and it's sprouted and it comes uh, um, uh, from a company called uh, Muttons uh, and they um, are a big brewery. They're worldwide. All of this stuff mostly comes out of uh, Scotland and England and it's all organic non-GMO. Uh, I'm very passionate about staying away from uh, glyphosate. Uh, glyphosate is a mineral inhibitor, and uh, this is the ingredient in Roundup um, that uh, basically was de derived out of Agent Orange from the Vietnam era, uh, created by Monsanto. Um, and um, glyphosate is really hard on the amphibian, so it kills all of your snakes, frogs, and little lizards that eat all the pests that you want to eat. So... I guess I should have took the noisemaker away from them. Um, so anyways, uh, and then I buy corn from a local guy that doesn't use Roundup. Uh, and uh, like, for example, I'm paying right now $280 a ton for corn. I had, Well, the last time I bought it was three months ago. And I, just, I have some, I haven't even fed it yet. I really only feed the corn like in the wintertime uh, or when I don't have any of the other grain. But you go, I go in a tractor supply right down the road, that same bag of corn, which is not even the same bag of corn because you don't know where it comes from if you buy it in a tractor supply. And it's probably, you know, all Roundup corn um, is like, um, you know, $15 or, or $15.99 a, uh, a 50 pound bag. And that 50 pound bag, uh, you know, there's 40 of those to a ton. So do the math real quick. How much is that? You know, um, $32, a hundred weight times, uh, you know, uh, 200. Yeah. So it's like 600 something dollars a ton. So, but I buy it directly from a farmer. So I'm buying it for half price and he bags it. He's got a bag operation. In fact, what this farmer, mostly, uh, most of his customers he sells to, uh, are using this corn for, uh, pellet stoves, wood pellets, uh, wood, uh, and they, and they convert them and they got, they can burn corn or they can burn coal. And the corn's actually cheaper and has a higher BTU than wood pellets, and it's cheaper because you're right. buying it directly from the farmer. Um, so it helps to be in an area where farmers don't have to buy water because it just falls out of the sky, uh, or they own the water rights. So it sounds like a like a key ingredient. Everything you're talking about, well, besides water, is uh, relationships and being able to form relationships with people. And the important thing is to do it ahead of time and. I know, you know, you had this, your own experience in 2020 with yourself and Bardo Farms where, uh, you know, people weren't really supporting the local guys or you guys, but then all of a sudden, uh, you know, everybody all at once when, you know, what hits the fan is, you know, calling up you and Bardo to get all their stuff, but, you know, and, and everyone's wiped out because they're not able to scale because they didn't have the support of the community right. ahead of time. And so everyone thinks like, oh, you know, that guy that I know that has chickens down the road, I'm just going to wait till the shit hits the fan and I'll just go over there. Well, yeah, everyone else is thinking the same thing. So you need to go support these people locally now. Otherwise, because if you're, I mean, who do you think they're going to go help out? The guy that's been buying for them for five years, 10 years, two weeks, uh, three months, or the person that, you know, comes begging for them later on. Well, if you come begging later on, you're going to get a much higher price than the guy that was, or the, the higher prices. You don't get nothing unless you have such a ridiculous offer that, you know, it's an offer you can't refuse, I guess, to, uh, you know, quote, like a godfather type uh, analogy yeah. to that. And, and so it's just having these relationships. Now, another thing I had heard, uh, you know, about chickens is 
that you can ferment the food. And I saw that that was another way if you go, if you're an idiot like me and you go out and you buy the super expensive feed, uh, because I don't have the, right now I've got the garden. I've got some things sprouting that are about, you know, maybe like an inch and a half big right now. So it's, it's good now finally starting to see some of the fruits of our labor, but I would seen some videos on Instagram or YouTube where people were, uh, you know, essentially taking the chicken feed, putting water in it. And they had, I think like a, like a one day bucket, a two day bucket and a three day yeah. bucket. And then once I it got that. to the third day, then they were rotate. I believe it was the third day or fourth day. Then they were rotating that into the chickens. And, and I, now I don't know what the fermentation process really does to it or what it does to the chickens or how it, uh, you know, makes, you know, your buck go farther, but can you maybe get into that? And, uh, yeah, yeah. Fermentation? So, so, um, Really good point. Yeah. So Bardo Farm in March of 2020, you know, they're just doing like two to three pigs a month. It was their production, you know, you know, one cow a month, maybe, or one cow every two months, you know, and uh, they, uh, and, and, you know, they were small and both, you know, Neil and Emily are working, you know, other jobs to, you know, survive because they, you know, they weren't quite doing it all off of farming yet. And they were wiped right out of meat. They had no meat in their freezers, like the first time they got wiped out. And that's why we started looking at, you know, buying some pigs because we had it all sold and we had to, some of the butcher capacity. And uh, with the with the slaughterhouse that the guy at the slaughterhouse that we use now is my father was friends with those guys. And I just called them. I'm like, hey, how can I be? How Because they were all booked up. They didn't want to take any more just one or two pigs and they were booked up. And I says, well, <clears throat> what if I just get, brought 10 pigs every month? And agreed to do that with that and they're like oh no i said what do i got to do to get in there and they go we, need, we want you to bring 10 pigs in a month at least um and i said all right that's what we'll do so we just kind of had to jump on that to make it happen <clears throat> so anyways um getting back to so feed uh if you ferment the grain if you wet the grain it sort of makes it like more bioavailable um and it and it, and it starts to sort of naturally ferment a little bit uh and the chickens will eat it better um and uh, so I, I did that with my first year of meat birds. I basically fed them all um, grain I had bought from the store, you know, organic, um, you know, and, and, and it, actually that organic grain that's $29 a bag now was like $16.50 in um, uh, 2020. Um, and then what I started doing was taking the uh, spank grain and I bought a $300 one horsepower Amazon Chinese um, grain grinding mill. And, uh, and I just started grinding the grain and I would, I would mix the, uh, barley and the corn 50, 50 and grind it. And then I got, um, so I started looking into waste food and I was feeding my pigs. Uh, uh, there's a guy who's, uh, about 20 miles from me. He, he raises 20,000, uh, laying birds and he's an organic operation. Um, and. He, uh, beautiful facility has, he's got 50 acres fenced off for these 20,000 birds. They, they, um, the only time he doesn't let them out of the barn is when it's like nasty cold weather in a winter time. Uh, but basically they're pretty much out all the time. And, uh, he has, he gets these eggs that are, um, either too small, too big or just de deformed or cracked. So he just throws those in five gallon buckets and I was feeding those to the pigs. And uh, he calls me up. He goes, hey, a guy, and this guy used to be a pig farmer, and now he's a chicken operation. And uh, so he calls me up one day. He goes, hey, guy called me at the transfer station, you know, over by over in Bow, New Hampshire, and they got 15 tons of yogurt. You want it? I'm like, yeah, I'll go get that. So I went and got 15 tons of yogurt, all one-quart containers. Well, Cypress opened up probably three tons of that yogurt by herself because we'd go out there every day and open yogurt and dump it in buckets and feed it to the pigs. Well, 
well, uh, yogurt is super beneficial for, for chickens. If you have like a local store that sell a convenience store and are like mom and pop operation and you can get like their expired yogurt and cheese from them, that's really awesome chicken feed. Um, and the calcium and yogurt makes the egg, the eggshells nice and, uh, you know, strong. And, uh, so anyways, uh, that's what I was doing. And then what I did last summer is I planted a bunch of organic non-GMO corn and a bunch of non-GMO, uh, uh, sunflower seeds. And we basically took the sunflower seeds and just, um, harvested the heads before the birds got to them. And I just, um, uh, they were kind of dried down and I would just put them in empty grain bags, just fill the empty grain bags up with the, um, these sunflower, uh, you know, the sunflowers and just, uh, I put them in storage and then I would just take them out and I would just take those, those sunflowers, not even take the seeds off and just throw them in a chicken coop or, or on the ground for the chickens. The chickens just tear them right up and eat them. Um, and sunflowers grow awesome. Uh, I don't know if you're going to plant any sunflowers where you are. I, I have, and actually I just started, uh, well, unfortunately I, the birds got to them before I had everything all fenced off and had the better system going, but now it, it seemed like that's like the one thing I've been having a tougher time growing. So now I'm actually just going to, I just started, uh, some like little planters, just little pods, and then I'm going to then yep. transplant them into the garden and see We've if we had really good luck with sunflowers, but where I planted the sunflowers was in like, you know, a foot of, um, you know, goat manure because I brought in 200 yards of goat manure in 2020. And actually, um, I have, I, I got about a 300 yard pile of compost here right now. Yeah, that's right. And I, I got a 300, what you want? I got a 300 yard pile roughly of compost. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, buddy, what is it? What is it? Oh, yeah, you, you see Tim up there? Um, <clears throat> this is what happens when you got kids sometimes. Oh, easy, easy. Buddy, might have to pause for a second here, Tim. Okay. Bubbles. Yeah, I see the bubbles. He's he, he's getting bored. I got to give him something to play with. Yeah, so Jay's given us a lot of great ideas on what people can do to, uh, you know, basically feed yourself, feed your chickens cheaper, which ultimately is ends up feeding yourself. And so... You know, for myself, like what I've done, you know, if you're just new to this or, or you're interested in getting chickens, you know, you can sort of make this as easy or as difficult as you want. And so uh, we did recently adopt eight more chickens uh, from someone that was moving. And this lady who had them before me, she was, you know, would wake up every morning, go let the chickens out, feed them by hand twice a day, you know, put them back in at night, lock the door. But I mean, they have automatic chicken coop doors on, you can get from Amazon. Now they are actually, they've gone up quite a bit in price. I think they've, uh, you know, like the really good ones are like 250, but you can find ones closer to a hundred. Uh, again, it's one of these things where before all this egg crisis that was going on, you know, those were dramatically cheaper. Uh, and you can have it set where it goes up based on light intensity for sunrise, sunset. You can have it set where it automatically can go down, up and down based on a time. So it's like, hey, I want it to go up at 5 a.m. and go down at 8, 8 p.m. or any sort of combination thereof. In terms of feeders, you can get, uh, you know, bigger feeders that, uh, you know, can automatically sort of drop the food down. Now, we'll ask Jay if that's good or not. Just let them sort of free range getting their own food because maybe, uh, maybe, maybe that's not a good idea. But, uh, you know, it, it, it is pretty easy. And then the watering system, I've got a big, uh, you know, 50 gallon rain barrel that then has a pressure regulator 
that you might find like an RV and then that's going to a, a PVC pipes and part of the pipe goes inside, part goes outside. And, uh, you know, and effectively it's on an automatic drip system and they've got these little like chicken nipple things that they, you know, the chickens can go peck at. And then they've also have some that are water cups. Uh, the nipples are probably better because the chicken, uh, the chicken cups, you know, tend to get dirty. They try wiping their butts in it and, uh, can get sort of nasty and funky. So, you know, if you can teach them how to do the nipples, that's probably, uh, that's probably the best thing. And, um, Jay heard me say nipple. So he just turned around real quick. No, so, uh, and 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 you can and the system and then I've got that water system then with a you know a water filter going into the top of the rain barrel that I cut out a little hole uh, using a jigsaw and effectively I have that on a timer where every you know every day at like two thirty in the morning or something it fills up for like a minute or two to basically top it off and so it's a pretty I mean I don't want to call it set it and forget it but uh, you know because I'm out there every day with the chickens you know because I want to and it's relaxing but. You can make this sort of as time consuming or not time consuming as you want. But if you do the upfront work to make it not time consuming, then you can, uh, you know, really sort of, you know, reap the benefits of it. So I want to let people know out there, it can be done relatively easily without taking up a whole bunch of time. Uh, and I'm sure if I didn't check on them for, you know, probably for quite a while, because one of the chicken coops, I think that I've got, you know, 75 pounds of feed in. The other one only has eight chickens. There's 25, and that one's connected to a garden. Uh, and then ultimately, once this garden is, uh, you know, completely up and running, which it should be within a month, from based on everything that's growing in there now. Uh, and you know, I've used horse manure to get that going. I've found, as I mentioned before, the wood chips. You know, because people that have horses, it's a pain in the ass for them to get rid of. They've got to go pay to get rid of the manure a lot of times. And so, if you're offering, hey, I can go over there and. Uh, you know, get out, the, haul it out there for free, or hey, if you want to go dump it into, you know, this spot of my yard, same yeah. thing with the wood chips, these guys have to pay to get rid of it. And so if you can get relationships with people where, uh, you know, it's mutually beneficial, and just like how Jay's doing and going around to the local deli that has, you know, extra food scraps a day, you can do this on the cheap. But you know, you don't want to be feeding your chickens. And ultimately, the bag of chicken feed that I get on the outside of the bag, it says you are what your animals eat. And so if you're eating animals that are eating bullshit, and then you're wondering why you feel like shit, well, you are what you eat. So you know, if you're eating shit, you're gonna feel like shit. And um, you know, and that that's just you know an important life lesson for a lot of people, especially in America, where pretty much all the food supply is, you know, poisoned in one way or another but uh you're back with us now i think we we're talking about chicken feed stuff yeah so um the the thing is when you had started talking about it, it definitely costs more money there's no way that you're gonna raise uh eggs uh basically produce your own eggs cheaper than buying them at walmart but you got to understand uh how how are those eggs 98 cents you know a car a, a dozen at walmart how are they you know, you can buy the 48 packs for, you know, like three bucks sometimes. I mean, I haven't seen that in a couple of years, but a couple of years ago, it was like 309 for like a 48 pack of eggs at Walmart. Um, that's because of uh, the chickens. Uh, so when I was out in Colorado, uh, one of the, um, you know, with the government subsidies for the crop insurance, the way it works is you get federal crop insurance and uh, and the only way you can get that is by using Monsanto growing practices. So I asked you, so you have to use Monsanto certified seed and Monsanto certified herbicide, pesticide, fungicide, whatever. And, 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 and the, um, so, so the, uh, the, the government, uh, subsidy of this requires basically all the feed to have glyphosate in it. For example, 
you got to use a minimum amount on like your corn. If your government subsidized, you got to use a minimum amount per, of Roundup per acre per year or per crop of corn. There's like a, a requirement to use it. And, um, you know, otherwise, you know, you don't get the crop insurance. And what the crop insurance does is it pays these farmers on if, if there's damage, uh, if there's hail, if there's drought, if the crop doesn't produce. But it also pays them insurance on market value. So, you know, it costs like, you know, in 2016, it was basically about $5 a bushel to get a to get a bushel of um, corn, you know, uh, into the truck, you know, after, after you combine it and after you, you know, um, you and you know you you spray around up a bunch and you you planted it and you tilled the ground whatever it's about five dollars a bushel but at that time the market price of corn the the market price of corn was about three dollars and 25 cents a bushel so um it cost you more than that and then the farmers make a you know they show a loss uh this is also why when you go to the county fair and you go to the truck pull and or the tractor pull and you see these five thousand horsepower half a million dollar pulling tractors um, I call that the farm subsidy class because all these big crop farmers, that's just a write-off for them. It's just a deduction. So they can just, you know, have all these toys. So anyways, um, and then it's, you know, so one of the hen operations, the uh, egg laying operations that was like 10 miles from uh, where I worked in Colorado when we would bring them corn once in a while is one of the trucking jobs we had. And we'd also haul some uh, chicken manure out of there. Uh, they had a million hens, you know, all in cages um just laying eggs and they're just being fed you know uh the cheapest product they can you know get to them whatever is the cheapest that's what they feed them and then they put a bunch of chemicals in it to make up so you know what you know whatever the product lacks um a really good example of this is tim do you remember the propaganda pork the other white meat i do yep so the reason they came up with that is because <clears throat> when they started using synthetic manure you know, back in the 60s and the 70s, uh, you know, which is your chemical fertilizer that's essentially created from, you know, uh, natural gas and, uh, uh, you know, hold on. All right. And then, so I think where Jay is going, this is he, as he mentioned before, he was raising pigs and what what the pig meat that we get i mean actually recently just decided i was going to stop eating pork because of all the uh and now they've got mrna vaccines that are in the pork and apparently they've been there for a few years and they didn't even tell us about that and now they're trying to do that with the beef as well uh but when you go and get the the pig meat from the store uh, or get a hot dog from the store it's going to be a certain color and that color is not what it should normally be but because the pigs are starved of nutrients they're put on different concrete floors that jay if you want to go into yep. all so, that when when the hogs are raised in um a controlled environment on a concrete floor um they are uh um uh in a concrete floor barn it's it's they're not getting direct sunlight they're kept uh, temperature controlled, humidity controlled. They pour all this really inexpensive, push this inexpensive feed to the to the hogs. They, you'll see these hog barns that their lights will be on all night. That's so they're like, it's like it's daylight 24 hours a day. So all they do is eat, 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 and eat. And um, and then they, uh, what they, and because they're not on dirt, the pigs aren't getting any um, uh, iron. So they give them a synthetic iron and they also give them a, uh, a synthetic lysine. Um, 
So the uh, synthetic, they have to give them the synthetic iron because they will actually get sick and die before they get to market weight. Well, these like Tyson hogs are able to get their hogs to market weight in like four and a half or five months to where it takes me like a year to get a hog to market weight or not, or maybe nine months if, you know, everything really works well. And I got lots of yogurt to feed them and eggs. Um, so when, when the uh, hogs uh, are, are uh, not on dirt like they're supposed to be, they're actually anemic. So when you factory farm hogs, the meat is white because they're actually anemic. So this is where they had to come up with pork, the other white meat propaganda. When you come to pork fest and I and I'm cooking a country style rib on my uh, or pork chops on my. And just grill. so people know, it's I mean it's it's sort of coincidence as you're cooking pork, but it's not because. So when I when I mentioned pork fest, people thought it was like a meat festival, but it's about the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which is the largest uh, you know Liberty, I think festival in the country. You know, and and sort of yep. you basically go to Rogers Campground. Uh, you're going on an actual campground camping spots and you can, uh, you know, they do have some sites for hookup. Uh, you know, if you have an RV, they've got, you know, regular tent camping sites. If you book stuff early enough, you can uh, maybe, I think they've got some cabin type space up there as well. Does, does Roger still own that? I heard that he was selling or had well, sold or some of you guys Crosby, were uh, free. Crosby, Crosby's a guy who owns Roger's campground. Sorry, yeah, Crosby. Yeah. Yeah. He, he hasn't been able to sell it. Um, as far as I know, he still owns it. And he's like 88 years old. Yeah, he's a really healthy dude for his age too. But anyways, um, yeah, so when I'm cooking at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, I'm you know, cooking a country style rib or pork chops, it's it's not white uh, meat. It's it's a um, you know, it's it's red. People think it's steak sometimes, a country style ribs. They're like, what's that? And I'm like, is that a is that a beef cut? I'm like, nope, that's a pork cut. And they're like, wow, why is it so red? I go, because my pigs aren't anemic. And I like I tell this story like, you know, five times, 10 times a day because people just ask me about, you know, the meat being so red. But and so he, actually one thing that's cool about New Hampshire is we got, you know, my, the forest ground I have is, you know, it's like two inches of topsoil. But then it's this red clay. There's like, you know, a foot to three foot of red clay. And then there's sand. And the um, uh, he's got a toy here that he got stuck in something. Yeah, it's it's hard because of because you don't have a great mic. If you're not directly talking at the oh, okay. at the computer, it's it's uh is it picking really up him? A lot? Is it picking up him, my son, a lot? No, like, no, no, no. And actually, that that's one of the that's one of the good uh okay. benefits of that is that it's not picking up cash at all. So so, anyways, I'll I'll, I'll just rephrase that. When the um, uh, I explained this to people at Pork Fest about the you know the white meat is anemic. Now he's screaming a lot. Um. All right, you gotta stop putting that there. Here, you want that? Go out there and get it. Oh no, no, I, I didn't know he was staying here. Yeah, we wouldn't, <laughs> we wouldn't want CPS to watch this and be like, oh my god, there was forty-five seconds that he didn't give attention to his son. We gotta <laughs> go, go get him. You know, we, we gotta, you know, leave alone all the parents that just give their kids iPads all day. But you know, the, the parents that actually don't give their kids the electronic yep. dopamine, we gotta go after those evil people. That's what the state wants, the kids on iPads, because then they grow up to be algorithmic slaves. Um, so so anyways, uh, yeah. Uh, and actually, I think it was it was actually you you credited myself with that. But it was actually Ernie that uh, I believe was the one that first said that. OK, OK. I, but actually, I, I, you credited Tim Pichette. So uh, Tim Pichote. So uh, uh, 
you he pronounced it like Luke Radowski, even though I did a video with him every day for uh, like a hundred videos with him. He, I don't think maybe got the name right once or twice. So yeah. Um, that, that, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're talking, yeah, so you're talking about the, the meat and that pork fest and how people were thinking the meat was steak and, but yeah, it was, uh, your own home raised pigs. Yeah. It's pigs. our home raised pigs because we got a lot of iron in the clay here. Um, and okay, go get it. You're gonna be an iron. You're gonna be an iron man if you if you are if you are what you yeah. eat. You'll be just like me. Yeah. So so, so uh, we had red clay here, and there's a lot of iron in the clay. So the pigs did really well on it, and uh, that you know that's another thing is, um, and you know the pigs are always eating in the dirt, and uh, they're um they're probably the second easiest uh, uh, animal to raise after chickens. But my favorite thing about chickens is um is uh, they're basically like pigs. They'll eat anything. Uh, and, um, and they're not hard to take care of. And like you were talking, like I can basically leave my chickens for like a week if I, uh, fill up, you know, the big, um, uh, grain feeder, just give them a bunch of grain. And then I got, a you know, I got a, I got a water bowl that, um, you know, fills up automatically. And I really like the, um, uh, the, the nipple drip system because it's so clean. Because, you know, chickens, if you got them in a water bowl, or you, you know, they, they're always pooping in it, you know, and they're always, you know, scratching and making a mess and making the, making the water dirty. Uh, the nipple system works really well. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm going to swap out all the ones that are cups to nipples because it yeah. just, you know, I wanted to see which one would take, uh, you know, how they responded. But, you know, I just see there's so literally so much crap that gets into the bowls and I, you know, I had them down a little bit too low on, on one set of chickens. So I've got, you know, you live and learn, but you know, that's part of the reason why we're here now. Yep. So you don't have to make those mistakes and buy the water cups, which are actually more expensive than the nipples. So, right. So uh, another thing I like to do for chickens is uh, I got like a bunch of random pieces of like plywood that are, you know, you know, just, they're too small to really use for anything. And a lot of them, I, I got this dome house I redid. So I got all these half triangles that were, pieces from cut when I redid the roof in this house. And so I just take the pieces of um, plywood and I kind of sort of have them, you know, here and there around the property. Right now, my chickens aren't free ranging because they would be like destroying my garden and stuff. But I, I let them out like, um, you know, like an hour before dark and they'll go run around in the grass and do some stuff. Uh, but if you have like a piece of wood on the ground, plywood, and then you uh, leave it there for two or three days and you move it, there's a bunch of bugs under it. So you, you, you take these pieces of plywood, you drill a hole through them, you take some plastic baling twine, tie it to it, and then you can just pick it up and you can grab it and you move it, you know, so it exposes the spot completely where the plywood was. And there's a bunch of bugs under there and the chickens are like anticipating you doing that. They, they see you, you know, go to move that piece of uh, wood underground and they all come running over because they know there's going to be a bunch of bugs there to scratch up and eat. And, um, you know, when you take something that's been just sitting on the dirt for a little while and you move it. There's a whole, there's always bugs and worms and stuff under there. So, so they do that. Um, and then, yeah. So if you also have a garden going, um, you're going to have tons of weeds and tons of like garden scraps and you just feed that to the chickens and they'll eat that. You really, chickens are pretty easy. You don't really have to buy them anything. And uh, especially if you can get some dairy into them, like um, yogurt or cheese, they don't, they're not really into milk but they really like yogurt and cheese. And it, and it's also, um, uh, I, I recommend people just buying yogurt at the store. Like, you know, when you're at the store and just buy a thing of yogurt for them and just give it to them like once a week or even once a month. And it, and it really helps with the, uh, digestion and everything in the chickens. 
you know, the uh, yogurt's got that probiotic and stuff in it. Um, but uh, the the biggest benefit about, you know, the thing is, is uh, it's more expensive. It, even right now, it's still more expensive to raise your own food at home because, you know, the people of the world are still accepting this, you know, uh, fiat currency that's just U.S. dollars being, you know, just created out of thin air and is able to uh, be used to subsidize all these, you know, Republican welfare whore crop farmers is what I refer to them as um, in, in, in the form of farm subsidies. Uh, and uh, we're going to see that go away, um, I, I believe. Uh, first off, because there's no longer an agenda really to, you know, to, to, uh, to subsidize actual meat production that those subsidies are going to are going to move over to like the fake meat the um lab grown possible and, burgers the uh the crickets the bugs yeah. you will eat the bugs yeah yeah and, and the thing is is let the chickens eat the bugs um there's an, another thing you can do a friend of mine did this for a couple of years uh soldier flies i don't know if you ever if you ever heard of those I have, uh, and, and actually I was talking with, uh, actually a guy out here just the other day about his setup and how he was, uh, having those, we just ordered a whole bunch of mealworms too. So we've got like a gigantic container of like, a, it's a huge thing of, uh, mealworms. And, uh, but yeah, I heard the soldier flies are relatively easy to, uh, you know, reproduce and get going on that. But yeah, could, could you share with us about the soldier flies? So basically the soldier flies, you, you you can buy like a tent thing or build like a tent thing in them. My friend had them in his house. And what you're doing is you start growing the soldier flies and they, and you put like food in there and the soldier flies, um, you know, eat, they, they eat the food, they lay the eggs in the food. Uh, there's some kind of media you got to have in there. I can't remember what it's called, but what you're, what you're essentially wanting to feed the soldier flies, uh, uh, feed them is the larvae from the soldier flies. You feed your chickens. Um, the other, uh, the other thing I know another guy, oh, so on soldier flies, they have tremendous amount of oil and fat in them. You can actually press the oil out of them and run your diesel engine on it. Uh, if you had to, um, so, uh, so soldier flies and what's cool about soldier flies. If you got like, you know, six, seven, eight year old kids, they could, they could totally do the, they could totally do the soldier fly operation. Pretty much Perfect. I've got a six-year-old and an eight-year-old that yeah, can uh, so. get it, get into work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to do that stuff. And, and then, Tina was calling it chores the other day. I'm like, no, we got to rephrase this. Chores sounds like a bad word. It's a business opportunity to have you guys make money. And, and then it's um, uh, uh, this is how you eat. Yeah. Uh, like, like the I like like uh, you know, I I don't, you know, I I like the idea that my kid is like, you know surprised that you can buy eggs at the grocery store because she never n n doesn't do that we just she's like well just go get them from the chicken coop that's where you the and they're not like uh like real eggs you're pretty much getting from the store getting all i mean obviously you're getting all the subsidy to i mean if, if you can go sell eggs for 89 cents a dozen i mean i mean those days are a little past but i mean how the hell you think they're feeding them i mean or what you think they're feeding those eggs so you're eating a bunch of eggs that have no nutritional value that you know are probably two three months old and and one thing people have been surprised i got to like my dad or some other people have asked like oh how long can you keep your eggs for and actually i mean the egg you get in the store is only good for like i don't know like a week or two but the eggs you get uh you know naturally as long as you don't wash them off and you've got the protective coating on there i've yeah. heard people say that you can store them in like these like glass mason jar containers i've heard i've heard for up to two years i don't know if that's your yeah. experience or if you'd want to do something like that but you know even 
when it comes to, you know, and, and I've also heard now that Bill Gates is behind some sort of like appeal, like a P E E L sticker of some sort of coating they're putting on a lot of the fruits and vegetables. So that way they don't spoil. Uh, I'm sure that's going to be really good for you, especially coming from the guy that had a Ted talk about how we need to reduce the world population down to zero. And the best way to do that would be through the food healthcare system and vaccines. And, uh, so, you know, I'm a little bit skeptical of, uh, of Bill Gates, I guess you could say, but, uh, so, so what's, what's been your experience? So in terms of like how long you can keep eggs for that, that come naturally that, you know, you're not washing off and, uh, you know, you're storing yourself. Uh, if I keep them in a house where it's a little cooler, like they'll definitely go bad. Like I got one entrance way into my house where it's very warm and it's kind of a tight area and it gets a lot of sun. So if I leave them in there in the summertime, you know, they'll, they'll be bad in about 10 days, but you know, it'll be 95, 80, 105 degrees in there. Yep. Um, if they're in the house, we have a, an area in the house when I had like 27 birds and we were getting like, you know, 25 eggs a day, we couldn't move them fast enough. You know, we couldn't eat them enough. And, you know, we were selling a little bit of them or giving them away to people. Um, but I, I would have uh, eggs that were, you know, three months, you know, two, two, three months old, uh, sitting in a container, just in the house and they were fine. Um, and a lot of times you just, you can just put them in a refrigerator too. But if they're not, if, if they're not, uh, if you don't wash them, just like you said, you get several weeks out of them. No problem. Um, just leaving them on the, on the counter. And, um, yeah, well, it's great that you're, I mean, I know that there was that video from years ago, maybe you saw it where they asked, you know, a bunch of like inner city kids like, oh, where do you get hamburgers from? They're like, uh, McDonald's. And then they're like, well, where do you think McDonald's gets it from? They're like, uh, Burger King. Like, where do you think Burger King gets it from? They're like, uh, Wendy's. Like, well, where do you think Wendy's gets it from? They're like, uh, White Castle. And then, so it's like, okay, they all, all the hamburgers come from White Castle is, right. uh, you know, is what, you know. Uh, you know, years of indoctrination in the school gets you gets the kids to thinking about. I'm sure some of you have probably seen that video. It's it's is uh, I don't know if it's funny or sad to, to think about that. That's where kids think the food comes for. But most of the things that you see advertised, if you're seeing it on TV, is probably poison. If it's got some yeah. super flashy label on it, probably poison. Even if it says something healthy. And then can you also talk about terms like grass fed, pasture raised? I mean, grass fed or cage free. I mean, they could be in like a really small cage that you give, you know, a piece of grass to once in its life. And then they can write grass fed. Um, uh, you know, I have heard if you're not doing eggs yourself, I mean, ultimately you should be, you know, either supporting someone that is, uh, doing the eggs themselves, because at a certain point it's not about money. And, and, and just with your example with the Tyson foods, it wasn't about money to Tyson Foods. It's about keep. It's about control and keeping those ants in line. You know, from the bugs' life. It's not about the food. It's about keeping those ants in line, and it's about control. And so, I think it was Kissinger that had a quote that was something like, you know, one of the best ways to control a nation is through the food. Well, at a certain point, I'm theorizing, especially when the dollar collapses, it's going to make 2020 seem like a walk in the park. It's also at a certain point going to be probably be next to impossible to get any sort of, you know, healthy type food or, or even food at all uh, when, you know, the, you know, what hits the fan, because what's Maslow's hierarchy of need, you know, food, water, shelter, you know, I mean, obviously you got air, uh, you know, is up there too, but it's going to come down to the basic Maslow's hierarchy of needs and people need food. And I think that's where you're going to see different riots. And then people are going to clamor for, Oh, we need this help. And then the help is going to be, oh, we got your uh, CBDC or, oh, the government's going to have some sort of uh, 
uh, what do they call it? Like price gouging uh, scheme where they, where you can't raise prices. And then when you have, when you create these uh, artificial price, price floors, well, then you're just not going to have any goods. If you say, okay, you can't sell eggs for more than $5 a dozen and it costs Jay and I $10 a dozen. Well, guess what? You're not going to get any eggs, you know, unless we're feeling really generous or you're like us, or you're, you know, you're helping us out at one of our homesteads going and doing something. So people need to invest into relationships uh, you know, with the people that are producing or they need to invest in relationships so that, that way they can start producing food themselves and also, you know, where to get, you know, like I, I was asking random arborists and Mexicans on the side of the road, like, Hey, you know, not just on the side of the road, they're there, you know, doing, you know, cutting down trees and things like that. And, uh, and one guy I asked him, I'm like, Hey man, you come by, you know, what, what type of beer you like? And he's like, uh, Bud Light. I'm like, come on, dude. I'm like, can it be any other beer, but Bud Light? I'm like, I'm not going to get your Bud Light. <laughs> Uh, and he's like, uh, Mick Ultra. I'm like, well, they're also owned by Budweiser, so I'd rather not do that. But you know, what? I, I can go and I can get you Mick Ultra. I'm not getting you Bud Light, you know. Although Bud Light probably would be a lot cheaper these days, you know. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm in a really redneck cowboy town. I can't have people see me going to the store getting Bud, Bud Light. Uh, and I'm like, and you should be ashamed too of, of getting Bud Light. But you know, I didn't want to piss him off because I wanted, I wanted all the mulch. But you know, he's coming back again. This will, tomorrow will be the third day in a row. But these, but that's a relationship where you know. I didn't need to have, you know, 20 different people to, to fulfill this. You know, I got two guys now who, you know, are pretty much now we've got, it'll be tomorrow will be four days in a row. And, but, you know, it took me, I started searching for this, you know, 86 days ago. And now, uh, cause I was on their website where you can put in these requests and also calling around. And, uh, but now, you know, I was getting a little bit down on myself, like, Oh, Hey, you know, I'm waiting all this time. But then, you know, when it rains, it pours and you get, you know, a two, two guys, two different, you know, crews out there that are in the area, you can get your backyard filled up pretty quickly with wood chips that then break down into soil that then you can start growing. I've got solid granite underneath me in Caliche. Like it's, you've seen the rocks out here. It's a back up yep. to a mountain. So it's uh so we're going to prove, yeah, you can do this backing up to a mountain. Some of my neighbors are like, they see me out like raking the all the rocks out of the out of the yard because you know I, you know no one wants to you know trip on all these boulders. I mean every square inch was you know these gigantic little like boulders that you know you're gonna break your ankle on or something. And my neighbor's like, we live on a mountain. What are you doing? Uh, but you know what? A little bit each day, and my backyard looks pretty fucking awesome now. But you know it was a little bit each day, and and you know if you spend two three hours, you know we're not trying to do everything all at once. But if you do a little bit each day, I used to work out all the time. I used to, you know, I was running triathlons for years. I was a collegiate swimmer, collegiate water polo player. Then I was, at one point I was a meathead in the gym. Then I went to, you know, doing all the triathlon stuff for 15 years. Well, you know, I don't lift at all, but I decided, you know what, instead of doing all the triathlon stuff, I would spend at least an hour a day and usually it's more out there doing more farm type stuff. And I swear I'm stronger now. I'm at over a hundred pushups in a row now. This, I'm like, you know what, for shits and giggles, I want to see what I can do. And just boom, was able to knock out 102 in a row. I mean, there's most, I mean, I, the amount of high school senior boys who are trying to impress girls going to the gym every day. I bet most of them couldn't do that, let alone, uh, and, and it's not, and I'm not actually going in like classically working out or with weights or any of that stuff. And I really haven't since about 2008, but you know, I, at one point I could, I couldn't, uh, physically touch my shoulder. I mean, it might be a lot of people think I'm just like a little finance nerd or something, but yeah, at one point I, my arms were big enough where I couldn't touch my shoulder to give an idea of like the, previously how jacked I was doing that but I feel like I'm now I've got the flexibility I still feel pretty strong and a lot of it's just out there doing you know picking up bags of concrete for this or that or moving this rock or putting up these posts or or moving this pile of wood chips or you know we're using different tools around here too but uh you know instead like why don't you take you know that hour a day you're going to the gym and 
do something around your place to start, you know, protecting your own family and legacy. And it's much more rewarding. Uh, like a lot of times people go to the gym, they're probably like, oh, you know, I hate it. Or it's, you know, it's snowing out and I, you know, or it's raining and I've got to go trudge through this. But, you know, you can just a little bit each day, uh, you know, really start accomplishing a lot. And, and people would see the backyard. You saw what my backyard used to look like. You don't see it now, but, uh, you know, it was super rough, super, super, super rough to put it uh, lightly. And now after all this work and, you know, and planning and part of it is people need to invest if they don't have guys like, like Jay or myself, and I'm, you know, pretty blessed that I've, I've got a couple living on my land right now where, uh, the wife is a permaculture certified, you know, basically actually certified in permaculture. And my buddy, Tony grows food is a food growing celebrity and Instagram. And, you know, you're a super wealth of knowledge and, you know, Ernest Hancock, you know, has, you know, give me some advice on some things and, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, being on that podcast, me, you know, the leverage, you know, interviews I've heard with like Jim Gale and Joel Saladin and, you know, you're, there's all these different collective, uh, you know, people are out there and I've paid people for their advice on what to do. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of times that will end up being cheaper because if you end up, you know, doing things on your own, not knowing what you're doing and have to go redo it again, that tends to be way more expensive. And so, you know, sometimes people need to pony up for knowledge, you know, if you don't have these people in your life and, you know, now I can say that, you know, I am in a, like, if the great reset were to happen tomorrow, okay, I've got enough food on hand where I could figure out all the gardening stuff, but I've already have the garden there and it's got food that's just now for actually it's for the chickens. Uh, and I've got enough of the greenhouse built that I could get that ready, you know, if I really needed to, uh, you know, tomorrow, but you know, how many of you are in that position? And, and I wasn't in that position a couple of years ago and, you know, going into 2020, those were the day all this stuff happened. Uh, March, 2020, my wife and I decided we we're going to get divorced. And so then, you know, being, you know, giving up basically all my stuff, you know, I'd previously lost a job, you know, a couple of years ago because I refused to back down when they, when a company told me I couldn't talk about Bitcoin, brought my income down to zero, was in a ton of debt. And now, you know, I'm rock and roll. It's people, you can, whatever situation you're in, you can change that situation. You just have to change your mindset. You have to figure out a way to be able to earn money and then also then have a plan for all the other stuff. But, you know, if you're out there like, oh, Tim's probably some rich guy from New York. Well, no, I had grew up with parents that were 18 and 19 when they had me. My mom worked at Pizza Hut for most of my life. Uh, left my family when I was 10, didn't really have a relationship with her. Then my dad kicked me out of the house at 17. You know, when I, he was growing up, he was working at a grocery store. So it's not like Pizza Hut slash grocery store, uh, you know, you know, uh, oldest kid is, you know, super well off in terms of what is going on. So people can want to come up with any excuse they can of like, Oh, wow, this person's doing it. And so they, you know, yeah, like, Jay, mentality. like, Oh, Jay, you know, he, he came from a homesteading family. So, you know, I could never do what he's doing. Well, I didn't come from any of this. I didn't come from any money. I'm self-made and I figured out all this stuff. And so rather than, you know, going and playing video games and doing a bunch of bullshit that isn't going to get you anywhere. I used to play video games all the time up until I was about 18. Uh, and then, you know, I don't play video games at all. I don't think I've maybe besides like my daughters are doing something here or there. I mean, there's nothing I do uh, in terms of, you know, electronics and video games. I'm off social media besides a little bit of Instagram, but people can have the ability to change whatever situation they're in. And it comes down to without offending anybody, quit being a little bitch and going out there and doing it. Like any excuse people want to make is what is it? It's an excuse, you know? Uh, oh, and, and even like when I was doing Ironman triathlon, like I've been told that I shouldn't swim uh, I, when I was 17 that I shouldn't swim again. And then I was told that I torn a rotator cuff so many times I've lost track. Uh, I've got every excuse in the book. I I've got flat feet. 
uh, you know, I'm you know a little bit heavier compared to most people that do that type of stuff. And so, you know, you can if you're looking for excuses, you can find them. But if you want a solutions, you just got to get up off your ass and start doing stuff and start putting yourself because uh, people are like, oh, you're so lucky. Well, uh, and, and even people that came over here to my place are like, oh, man, you got a ton of work in front of you. I'm like, well, have you even started the homestead or even looking for a property? No. Well, guess what? You even have you got even more work in front of you than me because at least I'm already here. But now we put in the work over the past few months and have really moved it. Sorry, I know I was just trying to steal some time when you're with cash to uh, to go Sorry. off a little bit. But now I just went on my whole uh, soliloquy about not being a little bitch and just going ahead and doing things. But uh, I forgot where you were at before. I don't know if the, I know that uh, we'll maybe try to uh, you know just have this go for another few minutes. And we can always have, you know, a part three that if you want to maybe talk about other uh maybe more like survivalist prepping stuff because you know you you're just such a wealth of information um but i guess you know finishing up with it you know like the chickens and the pigs uh and then so, maybe, um, maybe we could have another one on you know just like more like prepping stuff because you did win an award from ernie what was it like uh at jackalope uh where you had which i will not be at this year i'll be at something before jackalope but uh Sort of like it's sort of just for people to know that's sort of like a porcupine freedom festival, except it's not on a campground. You're boondocking, and so you know you, you've got to bring everything you need. Uh, so it is a different experience. But I think you had some like off grid type setup out there that uh, you know you and Derek ended up winning awards for that. So you, you know, you've got all the you know, hey, you should have a diesel this because you can go and you know, and you can you know, if you needed to get oil out of out of this or grow your own for diesel. Yeah, yeah, we, we we can do an episode about that. I like talking about that stuff. Um, well, one thing I'd like to throw out there is, um, so people need to, uh, you know, make relationships with, uh, local growers. And, uh, <clears throat> one of the things I suggest that people do, especially people who like are living in cities or in sub suburb areas where they really can't, you know, do much of a garden and can't provide, you know, they can't grow livestock or you can't have chickens raise livestock. Um, and especially if you got kids is, uh, develop a relationship with a farmer so, and and put the put your kids to work for that farmer. Um, all farmers have so much work that kids can do. There's just like stacking hay, you know, weeding, you know, power washing equipment, whatever. Like pretty much every farmer's got stuff kids can do. And if your kids, you know, aren't you know a bunch of internet you know um, addicted drones, um, they probably won't have a problem you know doing the work. Um, and uh, <clears throat> And, and and you then become a valuable asset. Your family becomes a valuable asset to that farmer because you know, farmers need labor and um, they need cheap labor. And so um, the, uh, uh, you know, the thing is, is, uh, uh, you know, uh, and getting your kids to want in that mindset to want to do that, uh, I, I think is tremendously important for uh, the future of our, of uh, our culture uh, because, you know, these kids living in cities and just being on internet devices and not getting their hands dirty, they're, they're essentially just going to grow up to be dependents on, on, on the state uh, is, you know, the way I view it. And um, farming uh, at every, at any level, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. You are going to learn skills. You are going to learn troubleshooting. I mean, things are going to go wrong and you're going to need to figure out how to, you know, straighten it out. And, um, and, and you got to work on it. And uh, to get a, like six chickens in your backyard, if you live in an apartment in a city, like here in Man uh, New Hampshire, I got a, a friend that, you know, he, he lives in an apartment and his backyard is literally, you know, um, you know, 20 foot by 20 foot is a little backyard, a little area. 
and he's got six chickens. He's got a little $225 chicken coop that he bought on Amazon and, you know, showed up in a box and him and his kids put together and they're getting um, eggs every day. In fact, um, he's going to raise, he, he got a little dog pen thing he set up in there and um, he's going to raise uh, a dozen meat birds. And, you know, he's just going to feed those meat birds grain that he buys at the feed store. Uh, but like, you know, he's getting food scraps from, you know, like three of his neighbors for his chickens right now. And in, and they basically, he's he, his egg laying birds, he's fed them uh, no grain, like, you know, um, since it's been, been warm up here because he's getting the food scraps from a couple of neighbors also. So there's plenty of feed for him. Uh, but I, I really like the idea of uh, raising your kids alongside the chickens is just so easy. And the thing is, is, you know, you go buy six chickens, you, 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 you know, you, you get a free dog crate or something or make up some kind of chicken coop thing. And you, there's all kinds of creative stuff you do, but like, let's say you go crazy and you spend 400 bucks between a nice chicken coop thing and, you know, six chickens. And all, for some reason it can't happen. Almost anybody will take your chickens. And for some reason you can't use the chickens, watch a YouTube video and just butcher them and eat them. Um, and, uh, you know, but it's it's not a, a hard investment if you can't commit to, it's not an expensive investment um, that, you know, it's not like, you know, infrastructure to deal with cows, which, you know, you're going to have thousands of dollars in into uh, chickens is it, it, it's really simple and really easy. And basically, if you're going to get into pigs or cows, you're going to need some land. You know, you need a, you, you can do pigs on like, I'd actually do know a, a, a guy who raises two pigs and he's got an acre and a half. And he buys two piglets every spring and um, he's got an acre and a half of property and he's got basically about a half acre to pigs live on. And, um, and he also has a couple of chickens. And so he has like a little rotational deal. The chickens basically run with the pigs and what the chickens do is they go scratch up the pig poop and there's a bunch of larvae in there from the flies laying and, you know, the larvae and the pig poop. And that's how a lot of his, how his chickens get a lot of the protein when he's running pigs. He, he, when he's feeding pigs, he doesn't even feed the chickens because the chickens basically pick up the scraps the pigs left behind and they also scavenge through the pig poop. And there's plenty of, uh, you know, bugs and larvae and stuff in there. Um, and, 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 and it can be all done with a little imagination and yes, it's more expensive, but, um, you know, I think that the number one thing that we should be investing in is our posterity is the kids. And if you don't have kids and there's kids around that you can, uh, you know, put to work or, you know, invest in, um, that's going to, that's going to benefit you in the end because, uh you know one of the awesome things here about new hampshire is like the, all the people i hang out with um they are they have pretty much and a lot to my influence i think now um they're like all, all the families that come here for our man camp they're like yeah we don't use internet devices we don't have internet devices one mom says yeah we we uh uh after pork fest talking to you and when we got home, there was no internet devices and the kids like oh can i have my tablet and we're like you don't have it anymore and you know, he was a little sad about it for a minute and, but just got over it and just went on to do whatever, you know? So, um, <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, I believe those people got chickens too, sort of as the replacement for the tablet and, you know, chickens and pigs are way more fun than uh, internet devices as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so, uh, oh, and so like all the people, so in, in your community too, you start dealing with people like, like, for example, I don't want my kids hanging out with kids that are using internet devices. I'm not going to let my kids hang out with uh, woke families. You know, uh, I'm not going to, you know, uh, you know, l let any of that stuff happen. I wouldn't let my teenagers hang out with a bunch of coquettes, you know? Um, so yeah, I see it.
And uh, so anyways, the um, the kids, uh, you know, um, you know, around here, the ones that, uh, that are in New Hampshire, Generation Next, uh, New Hampshire is going to be really strong, is going to be is going to be really good. And I am uh, uh, I believe in a good things coming and there's going to be a lot of them. And, you know, what this, uh, uh, you know, financial collapse is going to do, what the great reset is going to do, it's essentially going to purge um, a, a, a lot of the people who, uh, you know, are, are algorithmic slaves who can't take care of themselves. Uh, I very much myself, I'm looking forward to the financial collapse. I really want it to happen because um, I, I, and I want it to happen at a point where the fiat dollar system collapses and the people in government, all of the irresponsible parasites that are causing all of the problems can't function. Like, for example, and all their pensions are in dollars and all yeah. the police and all the military that have pensions in dollars, those pensions and all your whoring out uh, and selling out the country is all going to be for yeah. nothing when, you know, OK, great. You get a 50, 60, 70, 80,000, maybe even a hundred thousand dollar a year pension. But what about when the hundred thousand dollars a year buys you 10,000? Right. Uh, because, yeah. you know, and ultimately what's going to cost the most is going to be food. Because that's the one thing you need. Uh, and so they're going to be subsidizing, you know, a whole bunch of, uh, you know, eating the bugs and all that sort of stuff. I see now that uh, that Ireland is trying, is proposing killing 200,000 cows yeah. for climate change. So I just, I'm actually just seeing this right now. And uh, yeah, Elon, Musk, a few days ago. Yeah, Elon Musk of all people is saying this needs to stop that in the grand scheme of things, it's going to do nothing. And, uh, you know, and Elon hasn't necessarily been like a friend to, when it comes to people, uh, you know, when it comes to climate type issues. So if you got even, you know, a guy like Elon who's saying, you know, stop it when it comes to climate, this climate change nonsense as it relates to killing the cows. They, they want to have us eating a bunch of products to make men effeminate and then yeah. also through forcing social change through uh, you know, different companies and propaganda. I'm sure a lot of you have seen the BlackRock Larry Fink, where he was like, you know, we need to go and force uh, behavior because BlackRock can come in. They own a lot of the companies along with them and Vanguard and State Street and Fidelity and a few others own basically everything. And then through their boards, you know, control basically everything. And I know, and I I recently, and I showed that video to a Fortune 500 uh, executive and board member, and uh, just recently, and he's like, yeah, he goes, BlackRock has said that they want to tie our compensation to uh, DEI, like the diversity, equity, inclusion goals, and, uh, you know, how many pronouns you have in your, uh, you know, profiles and stuff like that, that BlackRock is coming. Now, this is directly from a Fortune 500 executive to me within the past week. So, uh, yep. you know, so that's coming. You, from, you know what I think uh, about that? I cool. Let them do it. Go ahead. Do whatever you want. That And because what that's going to do to a guy like me and like my kids and my community and, 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 and the culture we're building here, the more useless people that are just going to go to that, that whole DIY or whatever that, you know, thing is called all that woke nonsense, the more people that go down that road is going to make pe my community way more valuable. The kids that I got coming here doing farm chores are going to be so much more valuable and you know in the marketplace and because they, they will have uh, real skills and real ability and this and it's just going to help the system implode you know the harder that goes yeah, it's also it's also a great way to be able to distinguish ourselves from other people when you yeah. know at least a good thing about having a mask on is okay i know everyone i don't want to talk to they're outing themselves yeah. and so if i see yeah. you with a he she whatever in your yeah. uh profile 
yeah, yeah. it's a pretty quick uh it's a pretty quick hard no i don't care if it's costing me money or i'm losing out on something you know it's i'm what i'm not losing out on is my own self-respect my own self-worth and you know not having this entire uh you know country go to hell in the handbasket you know not the you know america or you know all that sort of stuff because it's all just a big joke at this point but uh you know where can people go to to find you is it j noon uh n-o-o-n-e.com is and yep. also your youtube channel j-a-y-n-o-o-n i'm sorry j-a-y-n-o-o-n-e.com is my website um i do have yep so that's uh uh, man camp 2023, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> trying to get some donations. Uh, we got uh, about halfway to our goal. I set up, uh, you know, I was looking to get $5,000. We got a little over halfway. I think I've got 2,700 and something dollars in uh total, uh, crypto donations. Cause that's another thing too. I'm really trying to, you know, encourage people just to stay away from dollar. And, um, <clears throat> so yeah, that's man camp, uh, is, a, is, a, is a thing I'm pushing and, I want to encourage uh, anybody who's got a, a skill and has a place to teach the skill. It doesn't matter what the skill is, woodworking, welding, upholstery, plumbing, electrical, uh, anything. Uh, even if you're a landscaper, like, uh, you know, put these kids to work. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the uh, you know, YouTube channel. It, there's a short at the top there. That's really good. This, and and I, don't, I advise people not to make shorts because there's an addiction problem. That's the only one I got. But that's uh, Cypress about a year ago. Um, you know, she's just over two years old right there. And, uh, and she's out there in her dress feeding her pigs. And uh, that's what that kid's been doing, you know, pretty much ever since she's been able to, um, uh, you know, throw grain. She's been feeding animals and, 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 and she really likes it. That's awesome. I also highly recommend people uh, head over. We'll have it linked down below. But the interview we did with Jay just on uh, Monday, because right now, as we mentioned, they are uh, the the state and DCYF is is trying to go after uh, Jay's wife. Uh, they recently uh, convicted her of child endangerment. Uh, you know, the, the, the brief synopsis on uh, do you want to give me the, the quick like one minute rundown to then point people to the other the other so show we just did? Yeah, my daughter, uh, uh, my wife let uh, let my daughter nap in a car safely strapped in outside a store, Concord, New Hampshire, while she ran in car that, you know, basically says Health Freedom New Hampshire on it. A whole bunch of Health Freedom uh, New Hampshire uh, rallies and protests happened during the scandemic. Uh, a whole bunch of Health Freedom, uh, uh, you know, New Hampshire uh, members were have been arrested uh, in the past uh, few years. They've been targeted by the Concord PD, um, Concord Prosecutor's Office. Uh, they sent DCYF after us. DCYF committed a whole bunch of perjury. They said that we were uh, dangerous um, or free staters, anti-government, dangerous, and we live on a compound with lookouts. They said they got that information from the police. The police, there's an affidavit that the police submitted in the court to get a bunch of this stuff uh, rebutted. So actually, DCYF technically is sort of now out of the picture since the chief of police went in. But what happened after the chief of police... Um, in, in, in Henniker here had, uh, you know, got the, uh, the stuff, um, removed, uh, uh, from, uh, the court that the lies that DCYF did, they vacated the contempt order. They were literally looking to put me and my wife in jail for not allowing, for not contracting with DCYF and letting them interview our two-year-old alone. 
All you got to do is just internet search um, DCYF settlement and it, it'll scare the hell out of you. The articles that pull up because millions and millions and millions of dollars that they've had to pay out to families where they've let kids get molested. They give kids a child molesters. They've lost kids. Kids have died while in custody of DCYF. Um, and I basically believe DCYF is, uh, it, it, well, I know it's run by a whole bunch of woke, uh, uh, essentially libtards uh, that aren't having children. They really want ours. And we got healthy kids. Um, Especially you know, if you got a blonde hair, blue eyed baby, I mean, that's what's yeah. going to get them the most amount of money. And when yeah. they, uh, you know, try yeah. to steal, when they go to steal people's children. Right. And then, so anyways, what happened is after the DCYF uh, uh, basically got, you know, the thing got uh, vacated that they were trying to do the, the contempt uh, charge against us. Uh, the very next day, the Concord uh, Police Department put a, a warrant out for my wife's arrest. And uh, when you read the warrant, it, does, it, it basically did nothing harmful happened. Uh, in fact, a cop testified on the, uh, on the stand that um, my child uh, was not in danger. Um, she had no, there was no harm. Uh, there was no emergency. And they quoted you as being a pillar of your community as well. And this is the police. And uh... <laughs> Right, right, right. And um, so anyways, uh, and then they still found my wife guilty. But the circuit court is, you know, a low level, um, you know, court in New Hampshire. And basically the first uh, trial you get is like a show cause hearing, essentially. And then we appeal it to a jury trial at the uh, superior court level. But, you know, the circuit courts are just statutory courts uh, and we challenge their jurisdiction and uh, we got the verdict, which is, um, you know, pretty interesting. But, oh, you're fine. Um, and uh, so anyways, now what we're doing is um, I'm working on putting together a, a massive investigation against DCYF, against these trial traffickers. I'm looking for uh, help with that. However, uh, I can get it. Um, we still have a uh, court battle to fight uh, coming up here um, with uh, uh, the jury trial. Uh, and basically, it's a trial de novo. So from the beginning, uh, which is another super benefit of living in New Hampshire. Um, and uh, we're... Um, uh, we have a great community here, and I'm, I'm hopeful we can fight this uh, and get it done. And we can, um, somebody needs to go to stay after school. Somebody in, in the government is, uh, um, you know, deserves a detention. And uh, I, um, we found all kinds of lies. Uh, if, if uh, you know, the timeline on the last video, I, you know, we talk about a lot of this stuff, but um you can um, in, in on my YouTube channel on on uh, my video that where I where I explain a DCYF situation. The video is about a year old. There's QR codes there. You can donate crypto to. Um, there's actually QR codes on my website for the man camp. We've, we've got we've got all those QR codes uh, and, and the uh, and the links actually in. Actually, I'm not sure if it's the QR codes, but we have all, like all all the all the, 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 addresses, the addresses in the recent video description that you can find in all the usual places, and we can actually probably link it in this one as well. So if you're watching okay, this good. video, we'll have that linked yep. in the description below. How you can go help out Jay? We'll link that YouTube video as well that has the actual uh, you know images. Okay. But, you know, Jay has been such a help to, uh, to the freedom community, liberty community, and just such a, you know, wise, uh, uh, you know, sage when it comes to all this stuff. And so we'll do another one of these, uh, you know, whether we want to call it part three or part four, depending on if we count Union of the Wanted, you know, as part three. So we'll count this as part two, Union of the Wanted, its own standalone deal. And then we'll do another one of these on, you know, prepping and, uh, you know, survivalism type stuff because you're a wealth of knowledge on that. 
But, uh, you know, thank you so much for joining us. I encourage people to go check out the links down below to help out Jay also to hear about uh, all the DCYF corruption against him and his family. And, uh, you know, thank you so much. Best of luck with all that. And, uh, you know, please let us know if there's any way we can help uh, you in the future. And, uh, you know, thank you so much. Thank you. Yep. Take care.